Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Jeff Stewart. Last week, I uh, shared a little bit about us going into Thanksgiving season. We talked about the pride that we often have, the way we're focused inwardly and, and on the things around us, and also that we, that we not forget that our God is the one who supplies all these things that we don't kid ourselves and think that we ourselves are the ones that provide these things. We saw that in many of the scriptures. Today I want us to do something a little bit differently. We at Northgate, we, we try to do our best uh, to study the scriptures because we believe the principles and truths of God here. And, and we try to study the scriptures and present them in relevant and meaningful and applicable ways. But there are times some, sometimes when I will be looking at this or Ken will be looking at this or, or Johnny or anyone else who is in, put in a teaching position where you just can't always say, this is what this means and this is what you should do. This is especially true when you look at the essence and the nature of God. And that's what I want to do this morning. We've been talking about and we've been singing with the words about God. We've been looking at concepts about who he is and, and how indescribable God is. Imagine together climbing to a mountain or, or sitting by a seashore or something that helps you take your focus off yourself and the things that are around you to look to God this morning. And we're going to go along with David in Psalm 8, which, which Peter did in very dramatic form to, to the, have the devotion that David had in trying to ponder who God is and what that means for us. Now, we're in the Thanksgiving season. Maybe in the last few days you have heard or in the, in the next several days, you're going to hear on television or on the radio or people just about ba- basic thanks, general thanks, giving. And people often say that they're thankful, but it's not really directed anywhere. There's no reference to where the thanks is being directed. Where is the gratitude directed? I'm just thankful. But that's what we want to do this morning, is to be able to direct that focus toward God, the the vertical focus that we need. It's a concept that we need to reflect on this morning. And last week I was talking about perspectives, but I want to give you a, a bit of a more focused advantage by thinking of vantage point. Something that we are often trying to do. Once you write that down in that, that rectangle at the top of your outline, vantage point. We as human beings are always trying to enhance our vantage points. There's all kinds of technology that we have in order that we can see something better and more clarity. There are, are, are things that, uh, that we have even in our homes that do that. I know this season something very popular in the Christmas shopping uh, list right now are, are large screen TVs. A few of you have large screen TVs. I'm still happy with my little 25-inch television. It still looks big to me. The 25-inch television. I've gone to people's homes that have large screen TVs. It's hard to watch everything. You see somebody's elbow over here, and it's difficult to get everything. But I have, I have a confession to make. I have gone to Best Buy and Fry's to do some other things and kind of wandered over to the television section. Wow. It's amazing how enhanced the television pictures are now. They're, they're pretty smart because they had a college football game on yesterday. And they want every, you know, they want you to see it. I was looking at it. You could just about grab the, the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Michigan Wolverines there. It, it, it's not the same. It's almost like being there. I thought, that's really cool. And now my 25-inch television doesn't look very good now. <laughs> We're trying to gain a vantage point. 
Think of scopes that we have, you know, all kinds of, of ways of measuring things. We have microscopes, and they keep getting better and better and more advanced. We have telescopes, and they show us more and more. We are trying to gain a vantage point so that we can discover things that we didn't know were out there. Or we can be able to appreciate things that we normally don't look at and think about. Just down the hill from us is a vista point. We've almost become a vista point. We had to put, you see the new gate that we have on the driveway there? We have to keep that closed off. Because some people like the vista point for various reasons up here on this parking lot. But there's something about looking out to the ships and seeing Mount Diablo that you normally don't see as you're traveling on the freeway. We're trying to gain vantage points. Well, God's Word is a vantage point for us. It's provided for us to be able to enhance what God wants us to see. And this morning, we're going to look at God's character and what it means to us. And to be reminded of what God wants us to gain in this vantage point. What God wants us to learn from this vantage point. One thing that we are reminded of, that you've heard in the songs, is that the fact that God is eternal. That is just something that blows our minds when we think of eternity. Eternal. We aren't eternal. We're born and we die. Lives are very short. Our days are full of beginnings and endings. We get up, we start breakfast, we finish breakfast, we go to work, we come home from work, go to bed, we get up, eat breakfast, finish breakfast. Just everything's beginning and ending, beginning and ending. We just can't conceive of something not having an ending or a beginning. But yet God is. God is eternal. We learn that. From what David says at the beginning of the psalm, verse 1, and at the end of the psalm, he says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Now, if you don't realize it as you look at that, he's talking about God's eternal nature. Because there's a concept that he uses in that verse that we don't have the advantage of seeing in English. In Hebrew, he uses Yahweh when he says, O Lord. Our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We had it in one of our songs. Y-H-W-H in the Hebrews, Yod, Hey, Vow, Hey. Four letters. The, the Greek calls it, it's a big long word, the tetragrammaton. Now, that, that's kind of neat, but it just means four letters. That's what we have. It's the Y-H-W-H. You read from right to left. That's God's name. And that's what David uses. He says, O Lord, Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's what he uses. He learned that because it had been handed down and he had been taught that name of God. Where did he learn that name? Well, it was first given to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And Moses is a typical leader. I know because I work on a staff with leaders. Leaders are told to do things, but they whine. They whine about doing things. They're told that they, they're, they're encouraged by God to, to, to be in front of people and to lead them out. But they're always reluctant. And, and Moses was no exception to that. He's asked to take the people out of slavery in Egypt and go to Pharaoh and take them out. And he says these words in, in Exodus 3, 13 and 14. Moses said to God in a whiny voice. It doesn't have that in your passage, but it's in a whiny voice. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them... The God of your father just sent me to you. And they asked me, what's his name? What shall I tell them then? What shall I tell them? That's what he does. You want me to go tell them? What am I going to tell them? You got a name? 
And this is what God says. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Tell them, God said, this is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. What he does is he utters his existence in a phrase that Moses understands. It's not just I am. It's this YHWH. He wrote it down that way. Now, I want to teach you something I learned a while back. It's really cool. I, I, I took uh, the languages, the biblical languages in Bible college and, and seminary because I was fascinated with what they mean. Our English just doesn't do justice sometimes to what we learn from God's word. And something really cool in the Hebrew is this, Y-H-W-H. It goes Y-H-W-H, and we have it as Lord. It's usually translated as Lord with capital O-R-D. If you have a New International Version, or if you read the King James Version, or the New King James Version, you'll see that. 6,800 times Y-H-W-H is referred to in the Bible. Y-H-W-H. Now, what does it mean? Well, that's what God said to Moses. Something about Hebrew is very fascinating. It's very simple. It's very simple with characters. It doesn't have any vowels. It doesn't have any exclamation points. But it's very complex in inflection. I'll give you a for instance. Now, I don't want you to take me literally literally right now. It's hard for me to say. If I say to you, out, you'll go, out? And I go, out. I said the same thing. The same thing was said three times, but with inflection, it had three different meanings. I go, out. You go, out. And I go, out. That was, that's what's so complex about the Hebrew. And what God said to Moses was this HWH. This is a verb in the Hebrew for being or uh, uh, existence. It's used for M. It's used for is. It is used for B. It is used are all those things it's existence but he throws this in because this yod is the beginning point of every letter and the ending point of every letter it also represents the beginning inflection and the ending inflection when you start to speak a little voice comes a little voice comes out which mine's starting to break up right now <clears throat> a little sound comes out and when you finish the sound ends and in writing it's like a pixel you begin with something, writing your name, and you end with a dot. And that's what God did. Beginning and ending existence. And Moses understood that. And they wrote it down and they didn't say it. They substituted the word Lord because they didn't want to use God's name, Yahweh, in vain. God is eternal. And Moses understood that from what God said. He himself wrote in Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. We look back and see that you were there. He was whining and complaining, but God delivered them. God delivered them. You were there through all generations. Before the mountains were born or brought forth the earth, you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God, Yahweh. You are eternal. That's what we learn. That's the vantage point we need that we hear from David, that God is eternal. And we need to remember that God is eternal and we are not. That's difficult for us. Eternity. You may look up to the sky at night and it just blows your mind to think of it going on forever, doesn't it? But where's the beginning point? You think it begins here on earth. That's what we think. This is our little central base of operation. But there's no beginning either. There's no ending. And you know what really blows my mind is going the other way with the micro aspect of things. We have these microscopes, electron microscopes, to find something even yet smaller. 
that we didn't know was there. And the question for me is, if do we ever get to the ending point of small or tiny or micro? If there is, what, what are the elements to make up that thing? That is really mind-boggling to think that micro may not end either. We can't think of those things, but God yet in his nature is eternal. And that's what David says, O Lord Yahweh, my Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. There's no beginning to you. There's no ending to you. This is the vantage point that we have. Besides God being eternal, we also see from David's devotion and prayer that God made the universe. What we have is vast. Lord of heaven and earth, we sing, Lord of heaven and earth, it's a title. It represents heaven, represents everything dimensionally that is beyond our realm of existence because the earth is the central base of our operation. This is where we stand. This is where we are. Gravity is holding you no seats. This earth is central. You can't escape it. If we get, on, if we get in a rocket, we need all kinds of liquid things that, uh, of, of fuel and stuff to take us out of the atmosphere. And there's no guarantee that we're going to come back safe. We know that from some of the tragedies that have happened with NASA. This is our central base of operation. And heaven is everything beyond that. We don't know how to describe it. It's much bigger and much vast, more and more vast than where we are. And David uses that term when he says that. You have set your glory above the heavens. You have set your glory above the heavens. He's on earth writing this. And this is the universe. It's the biggest part of creation. The universe is the biggest part of creation. Now that term, creation, has become controversial. It has become a hotbed of controversy because there's always this debate about creation. And we, as followers of Christ, should focus in on the creator and be thankful for the creation. But there's a purpose for that creation. We battle about it with people. And we want creationism and you know, whatever taught in our schools and stuff. And we battle with the concept of evolution and all those things. And it's a hotbed. It has this conflict. But I think, personally, and I'm not going to give you my own controversial ideas about this because it stirs up controversy. We can talk in the parking lot if you'd like to. But if you think about what we have and what God has given to us, we can't describe this to anyone. We can't prove this to anyone. But by faith, we believe it. We believe that we are the product of God's creation. I personally think sometimes that the, the theory of evolution shoots itself in the foot because it has to do with origins. And what is an origin? It's a beginning. So I kind of think about this logically. I'll give you that much. Everything we know that has a beginning has a cause. And everything that has a cause must have a design. There must be some design. It's not random. But it's spelled out here, and that's what we have to trust in, in the eternal aspect of God, that he made the universe. It's spelled out here many times. David sees what we have as a product in and of itself, a proclamation of who God is in his eternity, that he made the universe. He says that. You have set your glory above the heavens. Paul says that as well in, in the book of Romans. Chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, he says this. Since what may be known about God is plain, because God has made it plain, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, the tangible and the non-tangible, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what? What has 
been made. God is eternal. God made the universe. Everything that has a beginning has a cause. Everything that has a cause has a design. We trust that God made the universe. And David understands that as well. In verse 3, he says, When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, dot, dot, dot. There's so much more to consider. I'm going to finish the sentence in, in, a, in a few minutes here. The, 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 the point of this is that everything has a beginning, it has a cause. He considers, he observes, he determines design beginning with the cause. And that's what consider is. It's observing, a vantage point. We look intently at. When I was in the Navy, up on the uh, signal bridge on the ship I was in, they had a big, huge pair of binoculars. Each, each side was about that big. We put two of them together, about that big total. And they call it the big eyes. And up there on the signal bridge, pe- people used to go up there all the time to use the big eyes, just to be able to look at things. And I told a quartermaster once, I said, hey, you know what you ought to do sometime? You ought to take some, like, some ink or something or some black stuff and put it on the, on the little eye pieces there. Yeah, that's a good idea. And guess who the first one was to be punked by that was? <laughs> I came back down the corner. What's on your face there, Jeff? But I went up there once. We were in the middle of the Atlantic on the way to the Mediterranean Sea, right in the middle of the Atlantic. And I decided to go out on, on deck at night. And I looked up and I saw things I didn't know were in the sky. There was no moon and there was no light pollution to drown it out. It just, I didn't know all that stuff was up there, right in the middle of the ocean. So I ran up to the signal bridge and, and I, I looked, I turned those big eyes upward and it scared me. It put fear in my heart to be able to see some of the things I didn't know were out there. That was just those little teeny things that would enhance my vantage point to be able to see those things. The Hubble telescope has seen much more. It was launched uh, 16 years ago, first uh, con- conceptualized by a guy named, uh, I think Edwin Hubble, Hubble was his name, 1946. It took that long to put that thing up in space, 16 years ago. And I got some images here that are taken from the Hubble uh, Space uh, Telescope. This, this is out there. Now, doesn't it look like something we've seen? It looks like water coming into a beach. It's just got design to it. It's amazing to see that. Let me be a, a photographer with a little Photoshop to enhance it. And the next picture, I think, is amusing. I think God put these things out there. Looks like a couple of jellyfish going head to head. Look, man of war going after each other. And that's out there for us to see. We have certain things on earth that we can identify with. God knows that. I think the last one's a little bit ironic. Looks like a big eyeball. Galaxy. A little heavy on the eyeliner, but... What's amazing about this is that God, almost with a sense of humor, is like, we're going to look out and see what's out there, and I'm looking back. <laughs> almost like James Bond, you know, with the binoculars, and then somebody's looking back at you. I think that's a tremendous. There's much more that has been taken uh, in those images. Those, those images came from what's called HUDF, the Hubble Ultra Deep Field, taken from September of 03 to January of 04. And there's, you can see them online if you go uh, and do a search. It's amazing to see what's out there by design, that God made the universe to see all that. And there's much more even probably beyond that we haven't seen yet, and we will see because they're going to fix up the Hubble in, in a couple of years, and I think they're going to 
put another telescope up in another, another 20 years. It's amazing. But you know what amazes me even more? What really amazes me even more is that we can transcend ourselves and ponder those things that we could never physically touch. We see the telescope and we actually think that we're going out there. But in reality, we're bringing them in here to our little central base of operation, our little speck of earth. We're bringing them here and looking at those things. And it just amazes me that we can look and ponder upon those things which we could never physically touch. I always think it's interesting when they talk about putting, you know, a man on Mars. And people always thought, you know, back in the 50s, that we never get to the moon. We got to the moon. But you think about going to Mars and we're looking at Mars and it looks like it's a little bit below southwest Nevada. <laughs> and, and we're just amazed with all this stuff because it's out there and we're bringing it here. And, and all, the, all the time and energy it would take to get there would expend human life. It just amazes me, though, that we can ponder on those things, that we have a vantage point, that we're able to do that. We see these things. And I think I can identify with David when I look through the big eyes, when I look at pictures of the Hubble telescope and ask the same question because we know that God is eternal. God made the universe, but he also, more miraculously, made us. God made us. I think it's phenomenal what we have in this gift of life as we're pondering and thinking now as we're listening and wondering. God made us. We consider from a vantage point. We observe. We discover. We look intently at what God has set in place. And we're equally prompted to ask the question David answers in finishing those three dots. We consider. Psalm 8, 4, and 5. He says, What is man that you are mindful of him? When I consider, what are we that you consider? That you are mindful of us. Or the son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and you crowned him with glory and honor. I like the New International Version translation of of that word, heavenly beings. Some translations say angels. I don't think that's a good translation. The the heavenly beings, I think, is closer because it comes from the word Elohim. And Elohim is often used in the Old Testament to describe God. It's a plural of Elah. And it's amazing that David would hear the words Elohim in describing us. He puts it in perspective by understanding that he's made us a little lower than the concept of God, crowning us with glory and honor. We are a little bit below the concept of God, yet esteemed with glory and honor. Why is that? Well, that's revealed from this vantage point as well. We have dominion on this earth. This is our little universe God's got the whole thing, and God gave us this little speck of earth to be our little universe, our little dominion, for a purpose, for a reason. We consider, we observe, we look intently. He's made us a little lower than the concept of God, that we would have responsibility. Listen to what Genesis 8, 1 says in creation. He said, God blessed them. This is why. God blessed them and said to them, the human beings, be fruitful and increase in number, fill your little universe, fill your little earth, and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Every living creature that moves on the ground. Subdue. In there means subject. That means we're the boss. 
We're the boss on this earth over other species and other forms of life. We're the boss. It's our little universe. But as we read this, there's a need for balance and responsibility and humility that comes with that responsibility. Being made a little lower than the concept of God should bring about responsibility. It's not an invitation for abuse. And we do abuse that sovereignty that we're given. I'll give you a little example. Tuesday it was raining. Tuesday night. I was coming back from something and decided to stop at Rayleigh's. And uh, tried to find a place uh, that was parked close as I could get to the door. And even at night people were kind of hunkering toward the door so they can get in and out with the rain. So I go in there and I get the groceries and I take them out. And they're like, I do the four bag in each hand thing so they don't take the, take the cart back. And I'm walking along in the rain. I don't know why we do the neck ducking thing. It doesn't, doesn't help much. I'm walking along and out of the corner of my eyes, I'm walking quickly. There was a little creature moving along the ground toward me. And peripherally, I didn't know what it was. I, at first, I thought it was a rat. And then, but I realized rats don't bark. Rats don't bark. So as I'm walking along, I, I realized, I looked, there was a lady trying to get in her car, and she had one of those little extension leashes, and she had a little frou-frou dog. And the little frou-frou dog made me a target. It was after me. And uh, I was thinking about these verses, and I thought, well, I'm going to subdue this thing right now. I'm going to rule over this little critter moving along the ground. And so I was pretty close to attempting about a 51-yard field goal with that thing. It would have been short anyway because the leash only went out to 30 feet. Be like paddle ball, boing, boing, boing. But I refrained. But I was thinking about the responsibility. You know, I'm the boss of that little dog, even though the lady wasn't taking care of it. And I did say something to the lady, please watch your dog, your little frou-frou dog. And I'm not going to tell you what kind it was because you might have a Yorkshire Terrier. <laughs> but the context is responsibility and humility with re- regarding who God is. He gives us a little bit of sovereignty, a little bit of something. We learned that last week. We've been blessed to be caretakers and responsible with the resources that we have at hand. That's why we're thankful, but we need humility with that. God is wonderful. God is almighty. And in Thanksgiving, I don't just want you to think about it, thank you for this food, but I want you to think about how God is a loving, powerful, almighty, eternal God of where he stands because he goes beyond the universe. The universe cannot contain God. Even the micro aspect cannot contain God. God is eternal. God is spirit. And he made us. He made the universe. He's eternal. And he made us. And I just want us to praise him. I want maybe some of these songs that we've been singing today just to kind of stick in your head like earworms and just stay with you so that you can praise God. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy. Heaven and earth declare your majesty. You are holy. Lord of heaven and earth. Lord of heaven and earth. You have made him ruler over the works of your hands. You've put everything under his feet. Verse 6 says of Psalm 8. The context is humility. We learned that last week. We've been blessed. So this Thanksgiving, let's remember that. Let's have this vantage point that God has given to us that begins and ends with praise. And not only thank God, but to worship and exalt him as the one and only who has no beginning, no ending, but is always 
in existing form. Let's pray together. Lord, the psalm itself says that from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. So when the kids babble and gurgle, Lord, there is a sound that declares that you are the creator because of the ability for even an infant to go beyond its own world and communicate. You are to be given praise. And we thank you, Lord, for what you've given to us. And we look to you as an awesome, inspiring, almighty, eternal, powerful God that made this universe and made us. We want to hold that close to us, Lord, as we live our lives for you. And thanks as we praise you for everything you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.